Hello, and welcome to another edition of our Conversations with podcast. My name is Christine Dean, and I'm the Senior Director of SMI. In this next podcast, Ryan Kyrain, the AVP of Operations and Sustainability Officer from Honor Health, talks with Peter Brereton, the CEO of Texas. As Peter shares some of his learnings from outside of the healthcare industry, as well as healthcare transparency, data standards, AI, and the next big thing that's coming in logistics and automation. Let's listen now to this Conversations with Podcast with Peter and Ryan. Hi, Peter. I'm very excited to talk with you today. Thanks very much for being part of SMI's Conversations with Podcast series. You've been the CEO of Texas for some time, and so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts today about supply chain, learning more about your career, and how things have evolved for you. So let's get started. I see that you were recognized in 2019 with an Entrepreneur of the Year Award by Ernst Young in Quebec. Being an entrepreneur of a global company definitely requires special skill sets. Can you please share with us your leadership style and how that has affected your entrepreneurial experience? Sure. Uh, thanks, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I mean, my background is supply chain and software. Uh, you know, I wrote code for a number of years when my brother and I started the company, often sort of writing code at night and being able to customer sites during the day. And uh, I guess as many software companies start. And so that that is my background. And I've ended up staying sort of in closest touch with that side of the business which meant it, it was imperative to hire great people for the other areas. Uh, and, and so not that I don't try to hire great people for R&D as well, but, but our, you know, my focus has always been to uh, stay focused on my strengths and make sure we have a great team, really good people in place, and then to a certain extent, try to get out of their way and let them do their thing. Uh, and I, I think it's really, you know, overall helped the, the company to grow. I mean, we the company really grew up in the 90s in many ways when we were uh, developing systems to help suppliers to Walmart succeed in meeting Walmart's demands. Uh, and so that was where, you know, personally, I learned a lot about supply chain. I mean, Walmart is definitely a supply chain master. Uh, we learned a lot from, from helping their suppliers cope with their demands. Uh, so as I say, my strength uh, has continued to be supply chain and technology. I sort of focus there and let uh, some of our other great leaders do their thing. You worked with Texas since its inception. What are some of the biggest changes in supply chain that you've seen over that time? And how has it changed your technology, if at all? Well, the funny thing is so technology has been a contributor to supply chain complexity. There, there's a way in which technology has allowed supply chain complexity to increase enormously. And now technology has to keep up with the complexity that it actually created, uh, if, if that makes sense at all. Uh, I mean, it used to be this very simple system. Manufacturers manufactured stuff, uh, shipped it by the truckload to distributors. Distributors shipped pallets out to uh, retailers. Retailers shipped cases out to stores. And we walked into stores and bought stuff. Uh, and, you know, that, that sort of natural flow or natural funnel kind of worked in industry for years. But as technology advanced and it became, we became able and capable of tracking millions of smaller shipments much more precisely, it enabled a completely different and far more complex supply chain. And so now small retailers 
uh, you know, buy direct from manufacturers, uh, often overseas. Retailers develop their own brands and contract out manufacturing. Uh, we got shifting labor and tariff rates that are moving manufacturing around the world. Meanwhile, everyone wants to own the consumer. Uh, and supply chain length and complexity has opened up many opportunities for fraud. Uh, sourcing concentration has actually increased risk substantially. I mean, you know, I mean, take a simple thing like washing machines. Those used to be made all over the world. Uh, I think at this point they're made in three plants. Uh, and you know, there may be a hundred different brands, but they all come out of those three plants. So we've got supply chain concentration, which in turn, I mean, it increases efficiency, but it increases supply chain risk as well. Uh, and, uh, and the leaning of the supply chain probably has gone too far. I mean, we, we, we've been sort of leaning out the supply chain at this point for decades. At this point, like the fat is pretty well out. Uh, and now it means whenever there's a disruption anywhere, it ripples all the way through the line. There's there's just no buffers left in that in that supply chain. I think we may have taken lean manufacturing a step too far. So so now it's all about agility and traceability. Uh, we need to know demand in real time, and we need to be able to react faster and with less effort. And we we also need to be able to prove that the products in our supply chain are genuine. Uh, so so there's a, there's a lot of changes. I mean, it's, the change is is not stopping, it's continuing, but it's been an interesting journey, certainly since we started the company. You entered the healthcare market in 2006. Uh, what intrigued you to enter the market and what learnings have you brought from the logistics of non-healthcare organizations, some of which you're mentioning to, to this sector? Well, we, we initially entered the, the market actually at the request of a couple of health systems. Uh, it's interesting, We, as I mentioned earlier, we kind of grew up uh, selling to suppliers to Walmart. When that market matured, we began uh, pursuing uh, med surge importers and distributors. Uh, and, and we went after those for a few years. Uh, we eventually learned that very few of them were actually investing, interested in investing a lot in technology. A lot of them were just more or less planning to, to sell out to Amerisource Bergen or someone like that. Uh, so, so just as we began to sort of give up on that market, we were approached by a couple of health systems, uh, one in St. Louis, one in Florida, to say, hey, would you take a look at our, our networks and see if you can apply your solutions and technology to, to this space? Uh, and, and we did. Uh, and we entered uh, with those two initial uh, sales and in the process learned a lot, began to learn a lot about healthcare. We learned that it was, uh, it, for a platform like ours, it was almost greenfield. There was really nobody in the space doing what we do. And so we began pursuing it. I mean, what have we learned um, in other markets? You know, I mean, people often ask us, what have we learned in other markets that we bring to this market? We've certainly learned in other markets that organizations that depend on supply chains need to control their own supply chains. And uh, the simple belief that, uh, you know, we can drive better decisions by doing our own forecasting and demand planning based on actual usage, not just empty spaces on shelves, right? I mean, that was... That was one of the big changes that happened in grocery back in the 90s, sort of when we began actually scanning at checkout. Uh, and suddenly you weren't just looking at the shelves to know what was selling. You were looking at checkout data to know what was selling. And it, it changed the understanding of, of usage patterns, uh, what was actually just getting stolen rather than sold. Uh, so there, there was a lot of additional real-time data that came out of that that dramatically improved supply chain planning in, in grocery. 
uh, well, you can bring that into healthcare, right? Uh, so begin to do supply chain planning on actual usage. And another fascinating thing we've seen coming from, you know, like we, you know, we've implemented in the last couple of years, for instance, at Nissan. So our our supply chain platform is now directly feeding into manufacturing lines at Nissan. Well, Nissan builds on the same assembly line, they build multiple vehicles and multiple configurations of vehicles. Well, it, it's been interesting to sort of solve, work on solving that problem and then look at the OR and say, well, actually this isn't that different. Like it's not actually that different from complex manufacturing. Uh, you know, if we know what we're gonna be doing at 8 a.m. in the OR today, and we know who is doing it, then we should be able to stock that cart precisely, uh, no errors. Uh, and that keeps the OR on schedule. It reduces infection risk by keeping the doors closed. It reduces blood usage. I mean, there's like all kinds of benefits if you can actually just kind of have the right product to the right place, the right time for the right procedure, right? Uh, and this is normal supply chain stuff. I mean, if it's not, it's not actually that complicated. So, I mean, so summing up, I mean, anywhere in logistics, uh, a well-tuned digital supply chain can reduce cost and quite dramatically improve quality and outcome. So healthcare is no different. Uh, it's just more important. Great feedback. How likely are the healthcare providers to have transparency in the supply chain all the way to the raw materials and the creation of products that are used in patient care? You know, I think we're a very long way from that. I would at least like to see us get to some kind of universal geocode system so that you know, a supply chain system can alert me if too much of a certain category of product is coming from the same global neighborhood. You know, that made in the USA sounded really secure until we found out how much product was coming from the same sector in Puerto Rico and a hurricane took the whole thing out. Uh, and so if we can get a, a simple geocode system tagged to every manufactured product, that would be a great start. Uh, tracing from there back to raw material would be interesting but I believe there'd be less payback there. And part of the challenge is many raw materials are commodities that get that actually kind of get blended in the global blender. Uh, sources drift around as costs are affected by currencies and currency exchange rates and availability of transport and, and so on. So I maybe I'm not ambitious enough, but I would shoot a little lower than that. I would just say, let's at least just get geocodes on manufactured product so that I can look at my supply chain and, and realize that where I've got a high degree of risk, because even though I may be buying three different brands, if they're all coming from the same zip code, I don't actually have a lot of diversification, right? So, so I think I would start there. And if we can solve that, then maybe down the road, we could start looking all the way back to raw materials. So you alluded to this uh, observation in, in your this prior response, data standards in the healthcare sector seem to have been uh, softer in adoption than other industries like retail. Are data standards important to your technology? And how do you think we can create a critical mask of, of providers and suppliers who move towards those standards? I believe this has happened because there's no dominant force in healthcare. Uh, you know, the history of the UPC code is in retail has lessons for us here. The, the concept of barcodes was patented in 1952. And I'm sure I don't mean to bore people with history, but it, it's been around a long time. I mean, it's literally been around since before we had the lasers to read them. Uh, so, uh, and a standard for the retail industry was selected by an independent team of MIT scientists in the early 70s. But it only really took off in the 80s when Kmart and Walmart uh, both started insisting on it. 
without their leadership, it may never have been widely adopted. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if today we we'd find you know 25 different standards out there in retail. It would be a complete mess. Um, so Kmart and Walmart started insisting on it, and the rest is history. Um, so who is the Kmart or Walmart in healthcare? You know, I guess no one wants to be the Kmart of healthcare, but let's stick with who wants to be the Walmart of healthcare. I don't think there really is one. Uh, I don't see one right now. It's possible that Amazon steps into that role. They keep making a lot of noise about taking a leadership role. Maybe, uh, but I doubt it. Uh, but we have to solve this problem. I mean, even now, as we enter 2023, it's the Achilles heel on every supply chain initiative in healthcare. It slows down every project. It it introduces unnecessary errors. Uh, it's honestly, it's a bit crazy. Uh, but and I'm reticent. I'm always resident to suggest a role of government in solving this because I know government sort of takes forever to solve this. You know anything kind of. And, and I mean that's not a shot at government people. There's a lot of brilliant people in government, but government is so big and so cumbersome that it's hard uh, for them to get things done efficiently. But and, and so we hate it when they intervene, but it was actually the government that forced EMR. And it was the government that is now sort of pushing DSCSA down our throats. So they can get it done. I mean, it's expensive and complicated, but but they can move the industry forward. And I don't really see anybody else that can make it happen. Uh, so I really wonder if it's going to have to be government that steps in and enforces uh, sort of a UPC style standard approach to uh, to, to data standards. So anyway, we'll see. But it, it, I, I don't see any other way of making it happen at this point. What do you see as the next big thing in healthcare logistics and automation? Well, I, I think that the next big thing will actually be all about people. Uh, there's, you know, I mean, I often get questions about AI uh, you know, is AI going to play a role in this? And, and you know, is that going to be the next big thing in healthcare? But the, the challenge with AI is that AI can find patterns that are too elusive or too buried in big data to be picked up by humans. And AI can highlight places where your data may be wrong. Uh, but AI thrives in the presence of large volumes of accurate data. Uh, and to get to that, you need standards. So, and we don't really have the standards yet. So I don't really see... AI playing a huge role here, It'll, it may play a minor role. So I, I end up coming back to people and saying, I think it's going to be all about people. Uh, the rest of industry has really already developed everything we need to improve the healthcare supply chain and move it like light years ahead from where it is today. So we don't really need the healthcare industries to so, sort of develop new supply chain technology. It's out there. It's, it's ready to be used. Um, so I think it's you know, again, as I said, it's it's the people. It's already happening to some extent, but I think uh, it will be the providers who invest in top quality supply chain leadership uh, and give those leaders the investment dollars they need to equip their organizations with supply chain excellence. Uh, it's those providers that are going to move to the forefront of the industry. Uh, and I think it's those organizations that will end up leading us into the future that should actually already be ours today. Wonderful. Peter, thanks so much for your time today. It was great to hear your perspective on career, your business, and the healthcare supply chain industry. I wish you and your team at Texas the best in 2023. Take care. Thanks very much. 
Thank you very much for listening to our SMI Conversations with podcast. And I want to especially thank Brian Kyrain from Honor Health and Peter Brereton from Texas. And I hope that you tune in to our next Conversations with podcast coming soon. Thank you.